Welcome to Insights into Organisational Culture, a podcast produced for the University of Southern Queensland's Master of Business Administration. I'm Dr. Daniel Maddock, a digital pedagogy and media specialist and part of the MBA design team. In this podcast series, we talk to leaders from a variety of industries about how to create, sustain and influence organisational culture for high performance. These interviews were recorded via the internet, so please keep this in mind as you listen to this episode. Nia Yari Giam, Jagenba, Na Gayabu, Yarrawa Peoples, Nia Toowoomba. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Giabul and Yarrawa peoples in a place called Toowoomba. As the Chief Executive Officer of Tourism and Events Queensland, Leanne Connington leads the marketing, experience development and major events acquisition for the best address on earth. Leanne comes from a broad industry experience including senior executive roles with the Hyatt Hotel Group in both Canberra and Melbourne. Leanne is also an adjunct professor with the Business School at the University of Queensland, a fellow of the Australian Institute of Management and a graduate with the Australian Institute of Company Directors. Leanne Coddington, welcome back to the podcast. It's good to be here. Can you tell me, Leanne, about your current role and the organisation you're with? I am the CEO of Tourism and Events Queensland. Uh, So I get to lead a fabulous team of around 140-odd people um, across the globe. And our mission in life is to inspire the world to experience the best address on earth, uh, which is Queensland, of course. And uh, we're responsible for the marketing, for the experience development and for event support for Queensland tourism. And did you always think you were going to be in that sort of role or at least in a sort of marketing and a tourism role or did you sort of climb ladders? <laughs> Definitely. I didn't. Um, these weren't the ladders I thought I was going to climb, but I, I did study hospitality uh, management. So always thought I would be in this sort of sector. Um, CEO of this organisation never, though I do remember upon graduation from my course thinking that working for the predecessing organisation to this one, which was called the Queen's Interest and Travel Corporation at the time, would be somewhere that I'd desire to work. So there you go. Never thought I would be the CEO, though, um, and have taken a windy path to get here. And what in- inspires you, though, about working for an organisation like Tourism Queensland or, in fact, being in leadership of an organisation like this? Well, first of all, the organisation itself, I suppose, is unrivalled It's the only organisation doing what we do here in this state and we've got counterparts all over the country as well as nationally and then internationally, of course. But here in the state, um, we're the only organisation doing what we do. And so that's pretty special. We get to market what is an amazing part of the world and take that message to all over the world. So that's pretty special in itself. Um, And then from a leadership perspective, um, I feel that I'm very lucky and fortunate to work with a very talented cohort of people who in their own right are experts in their field and then um, as a culture and as an organisation we have a very positive can-do attitude and that's a great place to work as well. It certainly makes it an easier job. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> the past year has been interesting for everybody and but but certainly I think in that frame Um, whilst it's been really hard for everyone and whilst us as an organisation haven't been directly affected, um, the majority of people have remained healthily employed through this time um, that we've known that our work was here. We've gone the extra mile because we know that our industry is in so much 
pain and that their situation hasn't been the same as ours. So, you know, everyone in the organisation has really dug deep and put in that extra effort to ensure that our industry is supported through a very, very challenging time and that we can rebound hopefully quicker than others through the work that we do. It has obviously obviously been challenging, it goes without saying. Um, And today we're talking about the concept of organisational culture and how that plays a part in your leadership and your experiences and, and the, the of course, the whole organisation. But I think, you know, in a way more broadly for yourself and your organisation in the whole sector because of the interactions you have to have, as you say, in the state but also nationally and, and internationally. And you're talking about feeling a lot of that pain. Can you talk about how organisational culture has assisted you through that? COVID year uh, of 2020 and ongoing in 2021. I mean, we should mention that um, we, we have um, just been through a, a three-day snap lockdown in, in um, Queensland um, and we're, we're all still wearing masks. Um, so, so we're feeling that right now. I think the words I used towards the end of last year were it's still going to be lumpy next year and unfortunately that's played out a couple of times already for us. But, um, yeah, I think culture gets created and organisational culture gets created over time. Uh, It's not something that you can say this is the culture that I want and therefore I'm going to have it and I just buy it off a shelf. It has to be <laughs> developed. Uh, you laughed. Um, <laughs> I just think if, how nice that would be if you could just good, do yeah, that. I want yeah, that culture and I'm just going to buy that box and <laughs> that's it. Um, go to Woolies and buy the culture. So we've worked over many, many years to develop up the culture that we have and, yeah, I suppose, and it's been about inclusivity right from the very beginning. But to your question the culture that we have now has meant that people have dug deep, that there's the the values that the team co-created and then what we live to were being about that we go beyond, that we're innovative and solutions-driven, that we're one team and we just pull together. We're agile and responsive. So, you know, we will move as we need to and that, you know, we have one direction that we are led by the minister and the board and we're clear on our purpose and direction and our priorities. So those values, I suppose, you could have written them for these times because they really are what we've needed and the the team does buy into them. To what extent then do you feel that organisational culture is influenced by the leadership of an organisation, but you know, as you just mentioned, also the the political leadership from even higher. I think that there's many, many things that influence um, the culture of an organisation, and the culture can change very quickly depending on the leader. But I think that's it's also can change depending on the people in the organisation, the whole team. I think personal values and individual organizational culture do collide they you know there's a there's a Venn diagram there I'm sure somewhere and individuals will struggle if there is a misalignment at the same time we don't want to encourage group think so we don't want everyone to have to think in the same way diversity is really important um, if you're going to get great outcomes people have to be challenged and thinking we don't just want yes people to say yes because they think that's what's expected of them so but you you can't have everyone, I suppose, sitting exactly in the same circle. It's There's got to be a few outliers as well that stretch the culture and stretch the way that it develops over time. 
but if if people sit outside completely, if if the whole cohorts or fifty percent of the cohorts' personal values are misaligned to the culture of the organisation, then it's going to change. The culture is going to change. You're not going to be able to keep it. As I say, it's not as simple as buying it in a box and saying that's what it is. So, so there seems to be, I think, in a lot of these conversations I've had on the podcast for this series, a duality between financial reimbursement, if you will, you're paid to do a job and you're asked to do that job, so you, you should be doing it. Um, and then the above and beyond, the going extra, as you say, the the added things that are a little bit hard to describe, which come out of that culture. Yeah, I think you're right. It's the money can't be the most important thing in the culture we have here. If you are just driven by the money and coming and being rewarded, do my job and I go home, then that doesn't fit the culture. An example, if I can share an example, just from this morning, I came into the car park this morning and there was a car in the guest car park across from me and there was someone in it. I didn't know who it was, but I thought, that's interesting. There's someone using our guest car park this early in the morning. I wonder who that could be. Anyway, I came upstairs and I noticed that our facilities manager was here. And now she often comes in super early because sometimes the aircon doesn't click on in the middle of summer super early and she thinks, well, I better come in early and get that done. So there's one example, someone who thinks, you know, my job, her job should be nine to five, Monday to Friday. Here she is this morning because we had some furniture being moved in the office she didn't feel 100% well this morning, but thought I can't ring someone at 4.30 and ask them to come in. So her husband drove her in. She came and did the work and was gone before anyone else arrived by about 7.30. I sort of saw her on the way out. So, you know, that go beyond the call of duty. She's not remunerated for that. She wouldn't be thinking, hey, am I going to get paid overtime for coming in at five o'clock in the morning to make sure this furniture gets moved? And her senior so her boss's boss only knew about it when I was sharing the story this morning when he came in. So, you know, she that is part of our culture that people just get on and do. And it's not about the money. It is about giving back that she's not directly interfacing with our industry who are most hurting, but she knows by doing that she's contributing to that by supporting the team that are. So it's that whole ecosystem, I suppose. The personal sense of ownership and, and investment in, in the community that is Tourism Queensland. And that's why it's so important, as you say, that the, the views have to align with the organisation. Yes, because if you had a view that for every minute of work you were going to do outside of what your core role was that you had to be compensated for, then that just wouldn't fit into the ethos. But at the same time, we need to make sure that we reward her for that. Yeah. And, you know, we discussed that at our exec catch-up this morning, you know, and it was called out as a really great example. She'll get a reward that she's not asked for. We have a what we call a high-five reward scheme where she'll get a, a little thank you for that additional effort that she's not expecting at all. How do you make sure when you're hiring somebody that uh, the, uh, the values that they have, that they have fit with the organisation? Again, I, I think it's just our leadership team being aware of that, understanding that, knowing how important it is, and I suppose looking for that in, through the recruitment process. It's it's not foolproof. Again, you can't buy it on a shelf out of a shop, and it is it certainly isn't foolproof that we don't always get it right, but it is just that 
seeking examples from people of how they've worked before, what cultures, what organisations they've really enjoyed working in and getting an understanding from them about that um, through that interview process and the behavioural piece about what is it that they really enjoy, where do they thrive, what environment um, do they like. Do you think that the understanding of organisational culture has changed during your career? Just thinking through the different sorts of places that I've worked and I think culture has always been important. But, yes, you're probably right that it has changed the the level of importance of culture in an organisation and how it influences outcomes is probably more greatly understood to that level of satisfaction that people get from their job and how important that level of satisfaction is then to that ongoing performance piece. So it wasn't something when you started your career early on that was probably spoken a lot about? No, and I I started my career in a hospitality environment, so in a hotel environment doing shift work and it's a very rostered environment to begin with. But then I did move into human resources roles where that piece around service levels and how we looked after guests was also very important, which did come down to culture. The sort of environment that you're trying to create has to come um, from the culture as well. But I think the evolution of of leadership from management has also over the years played a really significant role in the importance of culture. Can you talk a little bit about how Tourism Queensland came up with the culture, how you formed it, what you did to that get to That thing I bought on the, I bought it at Woolies. <laughs> yes. I bought it at Woolies. <laughs> um, so we came together as Tourism and Events Queensland. So we are now Tourism and Events Queensland. We were back in 2012 Tourism Queensland and Events Queensland and the two organisations were merged in 2012, 2013. And I wasn't in this role then but was in a senior leadership role with the organisation we knew in creating this new organisation, we needed it to be a new organisation. It's been a journey um, over the past seven, eight years or so to on that journey. But we knew that we needed to create this new organisation and bring these cultures together. The organisations were similar but different. One was large, one was tiny, um, one was a PTY, LTD company. Um, that reported directly into the Premier. The other one was a statutory body with a board and um, reported into a a line minister. So there were just differences in the way that the organisations worked and we needed to create this new organisation. Both believed they were a great place to work but in different ways. So um, what we did was we took a bottom-up approach to creating the values and the mission of the organisation. So there was a lot of work done um, in supporting the team um, to work in groups, to to workshop and to come up with what our values were or are. And then we've been through a couple of iterations with our vision, but in doing that again, we did that as a collaborative process across our teams so that we had buy-in to the mission to the point that just over 12 months ago, before COVID came, we thought it was time to refresh our vision and mission and values based on um, some of the work we were doing around Brand Queensland. And we tried our best to pull it apart and to create something new. And we couldn't. All we were doing was tinkering around the edges and it just wasn't, it was creating something that was of less value than what we had. So we've stuck with what we've got and everyone's really happy and on we go and everyone's really focused. And for us, that's been part of building 
the culture of the organisation is that level of participation and ensuring that, you know, as I said right at the beginning, the culture is a reflection of the individuals in the organisation. So it's about melding, bringing all that together and then articulating it. Um, But I have a recent example where our last, we do um, staff feedback every year and our staff feedback told us that we probably weren't that great at managing change. I'm not sure that any organisation is great at managing change, but we weren't so great at managing change. And we've just gone through a bit of a realignment just recently in the last couple of months. And we thought, well, here's a real opportunity for us to take a different approach to this. So rather than what would normally happen in the is that we would work out what we wanted, we'd do all the redesigning, we'd decide who's going where, and then we'd either individually talk to everyone or bring them into a room and go, okay, da-da, here you go, we're unveiling what the new look is. And um, we thought, well, that gives people certainty, but it doesn't give them ownership and they don't come on the journey. So what we've done this time around is that we knew roughly where we wanted to get to, but we then met with a few crucial people in the business that were going to be affected by the change and talked them through what we saw as being the end game and got took them on the journey and then brought in the rest of the team so we're going to be affected by this change and going through a process of co-creating what the future looks like and people were able to select which areas they would go to there was a group of people that had to go to one area or another and they were able to be part of that decision making process not everyone got what they wanted but at least they were able to contribute to that the difficulty is it means that you work through a lot of gray rather than black and white so for some people Having the grey is fantastic because they feel engaged and involved. For others, it's like, no, just give me the black and white. I don't want the uncertainty. Uh, The feedback from our survey, if we go back to that, was telling us that people wanted more engagement. They wanted to be more involved. They just didn't want to be told what the outcome was. So, um, so far, so good. Uh, We'll see. Let's review it in a couple of months and see our next staff survey whether the team feel that we are starting to manage change in a more inclusive way. So that really reflects the fact that an organisation like yours can use culture to link with strategy, to inform strategy um, in the way that you operate your business. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the other mantra, I suppose, for us is that, you know, it has to be strategy-led it's the strategy first, the structure second, and then how you're going to resource that um, comes third. And I think, yeah, this and the strategy gets informed, I suppose, by our vision and our mission and our values and also what our key, you know, key stakeholders are desiring from us, from government. So all of that goes into the melting pot and then, yeah, work through, okay, so how do we best deliver on that? Yeah, and then how do we best staff it? Is having... Uh, feedback from your staff, like you um, just discussed, a way to for a leader to have awareness um, around the influence that culture is having in their business? Oh, absolutely. Um, and there's key questions through that survey around our culture. As long as you're willing to take it on board, don't do the survey if you don't want to hear the outcome and you don't want to do something about it. So we could continue to get feedback that says you don't manage change well and we could keep on doing change the way we've always done it or we can do what we've just done, which says, you know what, we're listening to you. We're going to take a different approach. We don't know. We've never done it this way before. So you might come back and tell us it was worse or it was better. Hopefully it's better because we've thought about it. But, yeah, so you have to be prepared to take the feedback on board no matter what that is. If it's, you know, people talk about 360-degree feedback all the time. 
that's great as long as you're not being told to do have 360 degree feedback done on yourself that you actually want it and that you want to take on board the feedback and do something about it. Um, I've seen it done so many times where people have said, yeah, I want to do 360 degree feedback. And then when the feedback comes through, they find every reason as to justify why the feedback is what it is rather than acting on it. And that that damages the culture. Don't do it in the first place if you're not prepared to act. And it's often a hard thing to accept criticism, um, especially when you believe, I guess, that you're doing a really good job. Can you take me on a bit of a journey there on how um, you receive criticism or the board does and, and then where you get to in terms of, I assume, making that decision to change the way things operate might leave you feeling successful um, and good about what you've done for the business? Takes me back to a very early day in my career, probably probably 20 years ago, where a staff member, a team, someone who directly reported to me was leaving. Uh, they did their exit interview with my boss and gave some pretty good feedback <laughs> just about probably my demands on them and feedback and reward and recognition and being a little bit more flexible and all sorts of things. And fortunately for me, that my boss gave me the feedback, um, no holes barred. And I was able to take that on board. And I, I still to this day believe that was a turning point for me in my leadership style and what I've been able to accomplish in my career because of that very brave feedback that someone gave. So I think your ability to take on board feedback, positive and negative, and use it to its advantage of what it's meant to do. And that's to help you improve as an individual or help an organisation improve. You know, we we get feedback all the time from our stakeholders, be that the, the minister or the department or our industry, our board, and it's there for good intent. At your peril, you ignore it. That, that's good advice. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I want to end on advice um, for this uh, episode. What advice would you give to a person, um, say one of our graduates, who, who may be new to a senior role or trying to get into a senior role, about the importance of understanding organisational culture? I think probably it's a combination of everything we've talked about, but it's an ongoing process. It never ends that but you, as a senior leader in the business, you need to really understand the culture and what makes the organisation tick. And if you want to move that, then you need to really think seriously about how you're going to move it. And it's a, it's not a short-term process. but And the, the culture is going to constantly evolve and change to keep up with changing times. And, you know, the COVID has been really a good example of that for us in this business here, that we had to change the way that we worked. We probably had a team check in with everybody pre-COVID every quarter, maybe after a board meeting, we'd do a board debrief and we'd do an update on things. That's now become a weekly thing that we do. Every Friday afternoon, three o'clock, there's a team's meeting, wherever you are in the world, if you can, you dial into that. If some areas of the organisation give a presentation, an update on a key project, other things that are going on in the business, general updates, it might go for 20 minutes, it might go for 45, doesn't really matter. It's just about the organisation coming together. So we've had to change the way we do things because it used to be that we were all predominantly in the office together, now we're not. So again, the culture will evolve or the way that you demonstrate the culture will evolve depending on what's going around you. But as a, a senior leader, 
um, you need to be really aware of culture and you need to also be aware of your actions and how visible they are to people and how much as a leader in a business you do set the tone. Uh, People are watching you even if you think they're not. So you need to keep abreast of new practices, what's going on out there in the world, but also really watch yourself because you can't say you can't do that, but then do it yourself. It just doesn't work. You've got to lead by example. Mm, more important than these statements, um, which in, in some businesses can can be just that, just statements, but, you, but you're talking about living living that value. Absolutely have to live it. So uh, I think we can we can end on the knowledge that uh, our sourdough starter, our culture for our bread, is going to be much more tasty and is going to evolve over time um, than anything that we can buy from the shopping centre. Absolutely, that's well put. <laughs> Leanne Coddington, thank you very much for coming on the episode today. Thank you so much. It's great being here. Information about our guests can always be found in the podcast show notes in your podcast app or on the course site. This has been a University of Southern Queensland podcast produced by the Office for the Advancement of Learning and Teaching.